Father God, we love you. We come into your presence one more time, Lord God, to worship you and to praise you. We thank you, Lord God, for this privilege that you have given unto us, Lord God, and for make it possible for us to be here tonight to worship you, Lord God. As we come in your presence tonight, Lord God, we ask you to forgive us for every sins, all the sins that we have committed in your sight knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God, that you'll cleanse our hearts, cleanse our minds, O oh God. I pray and ask you, Lord God, that you'll burn out every sins that we have committed in your sight, Lord God, knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you'll cast not your presence away from us, Lord God, and take not thy only spirit from us, Lord God. Father God, if there is ever a time we need you we surely need you now lord god help us to awake out of our sleep lord god realizing that we're living in high times oh god where we let us uh, help us to let our light so shine before men where they can see the good works and glorify the father lord god give us a love like never before give us that uh, genuine passion like god for one and another lord god oh god so that we can reach everyone just to let them know how much we love them how much we care about them and how much oh god whatever we do lord god help us lord god to do it unto you lord god we ask you lord god that you'll bless our congregation bless our family lord god tonight those that are here our online congregation we ask you lord god that you will touch them likewise individually and collectively bless their homes oh god bless their family lord god keep them together for such a time as this lord god and i pray and ask you lord god that you will help us lord god that will draw nigh unto thee. Oh God, open our hearts and our minds tonight, Lord God. That, oh God, you will use the man of God to bring forth the words, oh God, that will encourage us, that will sharpen us, oh God, that will prepare us, Lord God, that will guide us and teach us the way we should go, Lord God. Help us to continue to look to you from whence cometh our help, Lord God. As we pray tonight, Lord God, we ask you to touch those that are sick in their body, those that need healing, Lord God, whatever is going on in their body. We ask you to touch them completely from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. Oh God, help them to be whole again, Lord God. Let your will be done, your kingdom come. But Father God, it's not our, oh God, not by might, nor by power. And he said in the word, it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Give us a repentive heart, a repentive mind, oh God. Help us to look to you from whence come our help, oh God. You are our way maker, our keeper, our rock and our sword, our shield, our buckler, our bright as morning star, the fairest of 10,000. You are the one that is and that is to come, the one that we adore, the one that we look to, the one that we worship, the one that we commit. Father God, help us to commit all our ways to you, Lord God. And tonight we ask you, Lord God, that you will manifest yourself to us tonight again one more time, oh God. Let there be a miraculous move of your spirit upon our service, upon every family, upon every home, like never before, Lord God. And that we'll continue to serve you with all our hearts and all our minds. We give you all the glory tonight. We give you all the honor as we worship you tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And come on, church, let's just give the Lord a round of applause tonight. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Remain standing. Amen. It's an honor tonight to hand over to a pastor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Happy Thursday evening.
We made it through another day. Amen. And for those of us that are here, I'm going to believe that you knew, you know, that God kept you through this day and we made it through another day. It's not by accident that we made it through another day, but it's by the grace of God that we made it through another day. God has blessed us with a nice, pleasant day today. But obviously, every day that we are able to seek the Lord is a good day. It's a pleasant day. Amen. Good to see all of you. Amen. Good to see all of your faces. Hallelujah. Well, we'll see how we'll go about tonight. Last last year around this time, I don't know if you remember. Gabby's supposed to remember all of last year's stuff. Last year around this time, somehow the Lord had me talk a lot about uh, the, the, the whole events of Noah. And I preached a lot about Noah's events last year. I just found myself going back to talking about Noah and the things that transpired uh, during his time. And that was very interesting to me because uh, what, a, what an evangelist gets to do that a pastor don't really get to do a lot of times, maybe some pastor does it, an evangelist will get a word from God, get a message, and he'll put it together. He's traveling all over the world so he can preach that same message over and over and over and over. But the more you preach that same message, the better it becomes because it's the word of God. And the more you preach it, the more revelation God gives you. The more you preach it, the more it gets revealed to you what God is really saying and doing. So it's usually a very good thing when we can stay on the same subject and continue to preach it. It's, it's not always, um, you know, the, 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 the opportune moment for a pastor to do that all the time. Yes, sometimes we teach in series, but other times we are we're teaching to help a congregation grow. An evangelist is preaching to gather people and to get them saved. So when an evangelist come, and by the way, a pastor is an evangelist when he comes to another congregation to minister. So anyone that comes into this pulpit, they come in as an evangelist. Right? There's only one pastor to this pulpit. So anyone come in this pulpit, they are in, in the position of an evangelist. And what they're normally going to do is preach to gather the flock and preach to save people. The pastor got to preach to get, gather folks. The pastor got to preach to save folks. And then the hardest part of it, the pastor have to keep preaching to continue to help folks to grow. That's the hardest part. So the pastor doesn't always get a chance to stay on a specific subject for a long time or a specific passage of scripture for a long, long time. But we did it last year with Noah, and we'll probably do it a little bit with the resurrection. Yeah. So let's stand. Well, you're already standing for those that are uh, um, online. Let's stand. Because <laughs> I know you're sitting. Let's stand. <laughs> Amen. And turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 12, verse number 9. John chapter 12. Is my mic okay, Brother Scarlett? Is it too close? I'm good? All right. Just want to make sure. 
Amen. John chapter 12, verse number 9 through 11. Hallelujah. Don't forget tomorrow evening, seminar start at 7.30, and then Saturday morning at 10 a.m., be on time. We're going to start on time. Amen. I've got a little, um, what did I say, a little snack for you. So come early if you don't want the snack to run out on you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. What do you want to do? Then come. Then, then come. If you want to come. If you want to come, then you come. All right. That's okay. If you want to come, just come. All right. John chapter 12. Hallelujah. Verse number 9 says, Meanwhile, actually I'm reading this in the NIV version tonight. You know that's big for me. (laughs) Never deviate from King James Version, but this just came across so clearly and fluidly in the NIV. I wanted to read it from the NIV. And so John chapter 12, verse number nine says, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Now, I don't know if you missed it, but here is what it's saying. Jesus rose Lazarus from the grave. It's one thing to be hearing that Lazarus has been risen but you never see Lazarus. It's a whole different ball game when you hear Lazarus has been risen and there he is. And so because Lazarus was risen and there he is, that was causing a lot of problems for a lot of people. Because now what Jesus is saying and doing it's verified it's proven so Lazarus is there and folks are seeing him so now this is a problem how do we kill Jesus's testimony that 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 he can raise people from the dead and one of the ways of doing that is making sure we kill Lazarus so whether we consider this or not yes the Jesus's day was coming for him to be crucified But in the process of that day coming, obviously, he raised Lazarus from the grave before he was crucified. So they were already plotting to kill Jesus. But now that he has built up some more proof of who he really is, now they're saying, not only do we have to kill Jesus, we have to kill Lazarus because we have to erase this whole foolishness about Jesus being the son of God. And so the way to do that is kill Jesus and then kill Lazarus. 
and we can erase this foolish talk that people are having, all this belief people are having. We, we just need to take care of that right now. So th- that's what was on their mind. Kill Jesus and kiss, kill Lazarus, and we can erase all of the foolish talk about Jesus being the Son of God. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We are grateful to be assembled together under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we seek for your will to be done in our hearts and minds tonight in the midst of this congregation of people. We pray, Lord God, that your power do magnificent and miraculous things in our heart, in our mind, in this congregation tonight, Lord God. Will you move upon us in a special way? Will you reveal to us the things we need to know, the things that will help us to fulfill our purpose in you? I pray that you will place me in the flow of your spirit and use me as your oracle. And Lord, touch the heart of your people, the the hearing of your people to hear, to have clear understanding as you want them to have and know how to apply the word of God in our lives. I pray, Father, you have your way tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you on this topic tonight, walking, or should I say it this way, a walking and talking miracle. A walking and talking miracle. A walking and talking miracle. And I'm going to need your attention tonight because I might do a lot of reading because some of the things that I want you to hear tonight is very important. And so I've written down a whole lot of thoughts here that I need for you to hear because it will help you. Everyone in that rural area knew John Currier. In 1949, he had been convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison. Living in that bleak reality, John Currier was delighted when sometime later he was transferred from his grim cell and paroled to work on a farm near Nashville, Tennessee. The close-knit neighborhood, or neighbors of the neighborhood, all were aware this notorious criminal was required to serve his parole, tending to the multiple difficult tasks around the farm. Nothing was easy. The bone-wearying labor lasted from daylight to dark all for the benefit of someone else's bottom line. But he had no choice. Had he fled from the place, warrants would have been enacted immediately and his sentence would have been doubtably harsh. Though he was outside any physical walls, or he was, just say it plainly, he was outside physical walls, or bars, his life continued to be imprisoned just as surely as if it had been 
in his cell. Listen carefully. In 1968, Currier's sentence was terminated and a letter bearing the good news that he was a free man was sent to him. Tragically, John never received nor saw the letter. In fact, no one ever told him anything about the letter. So he continued day after day with the back breaking labor around the little farm without any knowledge he was free to leave at his own pleasure. After 10 years, a state parole officer learned of these circumstances. He drove to the farm and shared the wonderful news with Courier. One can only imagine what emotions must have flooded his heart, his heart upon hearing first that he was free and second that the freedom had been provided previously for over a decade. George Sweeting, who relates this account in the book, The No Guilt Guide to Witnessing, posed this rhetorical question. Would it matter to you if someone sent you an important message, the most important in your life, and year after year the urgent message was never delivered to you? We who have received the notice of our resurrected life in Jesus Christ now have a profound privilege and responsibility. <laughs> our mission is to live a Christ-centered life and share willingly and generously the testimony of what Jesus has done for us with others who do not know that such good news has been directed their way. Can you imagine? Just think about that for a second. That was a real prison situation, a real life situation that happened with someone being locked up. And we're thinking, my goodness, that's harsh. But Jesus wants us to think about that regarding people who are not saved. I say it over and over that if you go to most people that say they're Christians and ask them, how do I get saved so I can go to heaven? They can't tell you. So as much as you might take for granted that people go to church, that people are hearing the gospel, you need to go around with this thought in your mind. There's a lot of people that are, that are, they have a death sentence that's on them. And until you, until you deliver the news, the message to them that they don't have to serve that death sentence anymore, they will serve that sentence. That's how we have to look at reaching the law. They're walking around with a death sentence on them. And they're surely going to die under that death sentence, except 
somebody share the message, the news that they are free or they can be free. Let me say something controversial. I told you from the day George Floyd died that he was murdered. I got two eyes. And whoever have two eyes that can see like me should agree with that statement. He was murdered. And I believe that the officer that murdered him or the ex-officer that murdered him I believe he will go to jail. I don't think anything looks good for him. But when you're thinking about what I just read to you, I hope some of us are thinking, how are we going to get that officer saved? See, some people got their emotions stirred up in this, and they probably don't like what I just said. That's why I said I was going to say something controversial. He murdered George Floyd. He will go to jail and he should go to jail. But who is praying that he gets saved? Or we're going to say he killed somebody he needed to die too. None of those things is our responsibility whether someone die or not. Our responsibility is to let them know they don't have to serve the death sentence. That's our responsibility. And whatever happened to them, whether they live or they die, not our concern. All of that is under the control of God. And God will allow or not allow someone to die, and that's up to him. He's perfect, and he knows everything just right. But what he did call us to do is share the message. This urgent message must be delivered, and we have been tasked with doing so. Mm -hmm. The whole countryside was buzzing about it, and why not? A man dead four days was not commonly seen around town looking perfectly healthy. No one had ever even heard of such a thing. Lazarus was living proof. Just by walking past their residence, one could often see him puttering around his house and yard. Most mornings he could be spotted in the marketplace picking up fruits and vegetables for their lunch. He certainly could be found regularly in the synagogue as that had never changed when he rose from the grave. Life just went on as usual for him. But there were no questions. Some were excited. Not only were some were excited, but others were not excited. Mm -hmm. They were downright furious at the fame this event had brought to Jesus and his teachings. Can I just stop there and tell you this? Don't you worry and get offended when you share the message of Jesus Christ with people and they don't like it or they don't want to hear it. You're like, Lazarus, 
and Jesus is Jesus. And there were a lot of people that didn't like Jesus. And there were a lot of people that didn't like Lazarus. Because it's one and the same. If, 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 if Lazarus is living, then Jesus is who he is. So I need to stop, you know, kind of going with the thought that Jesus is who he is. And so the way I'm going to make sure that's not true, we got to get rid of Lazarus. So don't you get offended when people treat you, uh, treat you a certain way. What they're really saying is, if I have to say yes to you, then your message is right. And if your message is right, then I got to change my life. That's why people give you a hard time. Don't take it personal that they're giving you a hard time because you don't know what you're talking about. No, they're giving you a hard time because if they say yes to what you're saying, then Jesus is God Almighty. He is real. He's all powerful. And he's coming back for his people. And the bottom line is, if you're not ready, then you're going to miss out. So they do get offended for that because you're bearing that message and that message they don't want to hear. Because they're not ready to change or may never, never be ready to change. So don't get offended. People are just doing what they ordinarily would do when they don't like something. When you don't like something, a lot of times it's because it doesn't make you feel good. But if you have lived just a little bit, you've come to realize the things that taste really good, usually not good for you. And the things that don't taste too good, those are good for you. Even down to a smoothie. I can taste the difference, Gabby, in a Wawa smoothie and when you go to a healthy place. Oh, man. You're trying to tell yourself, you know, smoothies are good. And so you get the Wawa, you get a Wawa smoothie, you just know this is just sugared down. Then you go to one of the healthy places and you can actually see the vegetables putting in and the fruits putting in and no nothing added. They blend it all up and you're tasting you're like, mm. <laughs> Most of what is good tasting to you is usually not what's good for you. So if we live long enough, we should realize when someone starts to tell us something about the Lord that doesn't really sit good with us, it's good for us. <laughs> if everything you're hearing about the Lord sit real good with you, something is off. You know what I was thinking? And I'm trying to figure out when can we do this, Brother Scarlett. I'm going to do this one day. Maybe I can even start it with the leadership. That we can find... A verse of scripture that is a hard saying that challenges us that we may even still be trying to fulfill. A verse of scripture that you have read and has come across and every time you read it, you just cringe because you're like, this is tough, but I need to do this. Find that couple of scriptures in the Bible for you. You can't find it, you're in trouble. 
You can't find a couple of scriptures that you read and says, oh, Lord, I'm not doing well at this. We need to try to do that. We need to go and read our Bibles and find the hard sayings of Jesus. Turn the other cheek. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's in that book. And I thought about that because I just realized how we're always ready to accept the things that sounds good to us. And it's all good, but you got to accept the things that don't sound real good either. That's God's word. And God's word is going to always rub us the wrong way in some instance. So find the things in the Bible that rub you the wrong way and start working on that. I don't know when we'll collect on that, but I'm challenging you to go find those things. Lazarus and his narrative of how resurrection power had impacted his life were becoming such a draw that the chief priest expanded their murderous plot to include him as well. Not only did they need to stop the one working these miracles, they were desperate to stop the one testifying of the miracle. Again, I'm I'm, 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 I'm telling you, if you really become who Jesus designed you to become by being born again, people are going to give you a hard time and push back on you. Expect it. No matter how much you're going to love them, they're going to push back on you. No matter how much you're going to speak nice to them, they're going to push back on you because you represent the testimony of the miracle and the one who works the miracle. The powers of that day realized the key to masses of people turning to Jesus was in the testimony of those who had been impacted by his power. Have you been impacted by Jesus' power? Have you been impacted by his power? Because if you were impacted by the power of Jesus Christ, then you should be feeling some pushback. People should be giving you a hard time sometimes. If everything is always good, then you you, you might not be living out this impact that Jesus have had on your life because when you're living that out, people are pushing back because you represent the miracle, the power of the Lord, but more importantly, you represent the realness of who God is when you're converted and living out that conversion. You represent the realness of who God is. And so people are going to push back when they don't want to serve God. When you show up, you're, you're showing up for people to feel like, and it's not always because you're saying something, you just show up. And, and they're, not, they're not comfortable with you showing up because what they're thinking is, why you got to look that way? Why you got to talk that way? Because anything that people encounter that is right, that they're not doing, it bothers them. 
whether they control themselves and not say something about it or not, it bothers them. I know. Let me let me just put me on the spot. If I'm doing something wrong and somebody show up doing something right, I feel uncomfortable. Mm hmm. And that could just be parenting. It doesn't mean something bad. It can just mean, man, they parent pretty good. I like how they do that with their kids. I need to do that with mine. Something simple like that. Doesn't have to be sinful or bad. Just could be, you know, we need to step our game up and do a little better. So when you see it, you say, hmm, maybe I need to do that. So people get uncomfortable. If you're if you are a living miracle testifying of what God is doing, people become uncomfortable around you and they push back. The same is true today. A select few will be curious enough when you begin to testify of what Jesus has done in your life. A few will 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 be curious enough to go and seek out Jesus. Some will be uncomfortable and don't like you and push back on you, but some will go and seek him out. And by now, you need to understand how Jesus see this whole thing. It's his will that all be saved, but he's all knowing. It's God's will that all be saved, but he's all knowing. And that all knowing tells him, but all will not be saved. Does that mean I don't do everything I can to help them get saved? No, he does everything to help us get saved. But he still knows all will not be saved. If you are a child of God, most of us do not share God's word because we don't like the pushback that we get when people decide, I don't want to hear your mess. So a lot of us already assume that position and we don't give the message. We don't share the message with people because we don't want to feel that pushback, that rejection. But that's wrong because guess what? Jesus knew that a lot of people would not accept his message. They will not obey his message, but did it stop him from sharing his message? So why should you be any different from Jesus? Why should you be all comfortable all the time by just not sharing anything while Jesus and his followers for many years, they have become uncomfortable. They lost their life for sharing. And we just want to sit back and not feel any kind of pressure for being that miracle, any kind of pressure for not representing Jesus. We don't want to feel any pressure. huh? We're, we're afraid to talk to people. Why? Unbelievers might attempt to debate theology with you. Their deep-seated religious heritage may fight against the idea of changing to a different church. Their comfort level with the worship experience of their youth might provide a measure of inertia against anything new. But no one can contend with your own account of what Jesus has accomplished in your life 
and your family. What do you have to lose to tell people what Jesus has done in you and your family? Is it because we have taken him for granted that the life we're living, we don't realize that it's a life that Jesus has been working in. And so it has become the norm to us and we don't realize, but it's God that's been keeping our life the way he has. It's God that's been working our life the way he has been. And so we're living this life like whatever, this is my life, but we forget. Listen. I was talking to somebody the other day that frequently, he's a part of this church. I'm going to give him a hard time probably this week. I called him and he said he was going to come to church for Easter. I didn't see him. And so I called him again. But he said to me, he called me and said, you know, pastor, when I was coming to church, my life just was so much better. It wasn't in chaos. Things were just flowing. Everything was in order. And, you know, I just never thought about it. But everything was good. And since I've just been not coming, and, he, you know, when he started not coming like a lot, of, a lot of people, Corona. And he said, but since I have not been coming, it's just been chaotic, Pastor. I, I, I know I need to come back to church. You don't even have to tell me. As a matter of fact, I, I called you because I need to talk about something because the people around me, they can't give me no good advice. That's just somebody who, unfortunately, I don't want anybody else in this church to experience that your life is so good. God make your life so good when you're faithful to him that you don't realize it. You just think this is just the norm. It's not the norm. God just has made your life good, and you have taken that goodness to just think it means this is life. No, it's life with Jesus. And the day you are not in Jesus, it won't be like that. We don't realize it. We just think that this is just the way it is. Happy-go-lucky, everything is... No, it's not just the way it is. And so, we need to realize, no one can contend with you about what Jesus has done in your life. So you don't have to be worried or be afraid of people pushing back and rejecting the life that you're living, the things that you're saying, because the bottom line is, what can they really put on when it's you that you're talking about? Remember, Jesus did this, and so I've said this. When you're going to tell somebody about Jesus, when you're setting somebody up, and I don't mean to put it this way, but I just got to put it this way so you see where I'm coming from. When you're going to talk to somebody about Jesus, Christians have a bad habit of, of never getting to get their testimony in because they like to just tell people stuff. They don't listen. A lot of Christians mess up that way. But if you want to be effective, you have to spend some time asking people about themselves. Yeah. 
You ask people enough about themselves, that's good conversation for a while. Just asking them about themselves. How have you been? What do you do? Just ask them things. General question. Nothing deep. General question. Don't seem like you're nosy. Just ask general questions. Sooner or later, when they get tired of talking about themselves, they will want to talk about you. You don't have to push you. Just keep asking them about them. Sooner or later, they're gonna, it's going to hit them. They've been asking me about me. I need to know something about them. Sooner or later. But we just have to be patient enough to know that it's good, number one, to ask questions of others because then we will see an opportunity where we can be a blessing to them, where we can, we can, you know, maybe they have a need or something, or we can just connect with them on a general level. So asking them questions is really good. It's going to lead to them asking you questions. Then you can tell your testimony. Then you can let them know that you are miracle. Look at John chapter 9, verse 24. John chapter 9, verse 24. Then again, call they the man that was blind. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. And said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. (laughs) He answered and said, they were calling Jesus a sinner, by the way. That's that's who they're calling a sinner. We know that this man is a sinner. Verse 25. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, You can you can blaspheme against the Lord all you want. You can say how he's not God in the flesh all you want. You can say he was just a prophet all you want. You can say whatever you want about him, and I don't have to touch it. All I got to say is my life was a mess, and now it's not. That's all we got to say. You don't have to defend the scriptures. You don't have to have all knowledge of the word. You don't have to be able to know everything about the word. Just say, all I can tell you is my life was this way and now it's not because I met Jesus. It's just that simple. Then said they to him again, what did he to thee? How open he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore, would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciple? He says, I'm tired of telling you that I was blind. Because this dude was blind from his mother's womb. As a matter of fact, the neighborhood was blaming the parents. They said, yeah, they must have sinned. And so this dude was born blind. And he got healed. And they're questioning, well, how did this happen? I love it. People are something like that. People are more about proving their point instead of getting anything accomplished. I just want to prove my point. This individual had been blind from birth until the day Jesus spat on the ground and made the mud put in his eyes and boom, dude can see. The religious leaders of that day were quite put off by this. 
for much the same reason they were regarding Lazarus, namely that people were believing in Jesus because of this mighty demonstration of his power. Jesus has got a lot of people that's been born again and living this life that he has for them all throughout the earth. And all we have to do is let people know what happened to us. We need to do a better job in letting people know what happened to us. Now, you know, I got to touch places where you probably don't appreciate me touching. But, you know, I got to do it. It's time to step up your game that people will begin to look at you like they looked at Lazarus. Remember, I told you, as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. And when they looked at Lazarus sitting there, rose from the grave, at the table with Jesus, eating his meal, people were just like, wow, look at Lazarus. And there's something, as I said Sunday, to, to, to being resurrected, everything changes about you. And when you show up, people says, oh my goodness. If they knew you before, you're different. If they never knew you, man, who's that? If we live it the way Jesus wants us to live it. But if we're not living this life out the way the Lord wants us to live it out, we frustrate ourselves and we don't do what we're supposed to do. I can't say it enough. I don't get into the nuance of stuff. Especially nowadays. It's just a different way how we are trying to reach people. And so a lot of times I don't go into specific. But I pray to God you understand that if you've been transformed, if you've been resurrected, you're supposed to have a different look than before that happened to you. Everybody is breaking their neck to look like everybody out there that's not saved. How are we going to help them? We're not being like Lazarus. They're looking at us and saying, you're no different from me. And if they look at you and say, you're no, no different from me, then guess what? You don't have no testimony. You can go ahead and tell them all you want to tell them. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't, you don't look no different from me. We think look don't mean anything because we keep saying it's what's in my heart. Go ahead and believe that foolishness. It's what, the, listen, I've, I've known this before church. Because before I even got saved, I was particular in what I wore. Why? Because first impression is a lasting impression. Before I got saved, I knew, wear this, wear this, put on this cologne, put on that cologne, do this. Why? Because whenever you encountered me, I wanted you to remember me before God. 
I don't know what you did. But I'm just telling you, it's a fact that first impression is a lasting impression. And so before I came to church, every time I stepped out the house, I had to check what I had on. Because first impression is lasting impression. And for me and you, you can lie if you want. All of us want to make a good impression. All of us wants to make a good impression. So I always think about how I step out of my house. So you think I'm going to get saved now and don't make sure my first impression is a lasting impression? I want to be able to share Christ with people. And if I show up looking like you that are not in Christ, why would you need to talk to me? But every time I show up looking differently from everybody and then I'm talking to everybody, who are you? My wife's going to win some money from me, but she's not here right now. Is she back there? All right. We have a bet going. So listen, I went and got my shot the other day. I told, I told, I only wanted Johnson Johnson. From the very moment I heard about this stuff, only one Johnson Johnson. I don't care. Because, first of all, let me tell you all this secret. I wasn't worried about my health. I'm not going to be reckless, but I'm not gonna, I wasn't worried about my health. Because a long time ago, I've learned, if it's not my time to go, if I'm still in God's plan, ain't nowhere, I'm not going nowhere. I'm, I'm, everybody can think all, how they want. I already know if God has me in a certain place and I have not fulfilled my purpose and I'm still being obedient to him, sickness and death got to wait for me. I already know that. So I'm, I wasn't worried about health and all this stuff, but I did things to be respectful. Follow protocol. I'm going to be respectful. This is why sometimes, you know, people talk, they like, they like to talk, and in your mind, you know so much more than what you're saying, and so I'm just like, I don't even want to hear it, because, because I feel like a lot of people do, about that I don't feel like I'm going to, anything is going to happen to me right now if I just be careful. I don't feel that way. I don't feel like anything's going to happen, but I'm not walking around no mass and trying to be, you know, going to people's uh, 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 um, companies and, and, and establishment and says, I don't care. You know, it's all a hoax. And a, why would I do all of that? I'm a Christian. I'm trying to reach people. I don't know how we just get lost. So I'm doing everything I can that the law says I should or shouldn't do. Why? Because I want to reach people. So I wear my mask. I wasn't worried about getting sick and dying. And so getting the shot wasn't because I wanted to be sick and die. You know why I got my shot? And what, why I really wanted my shot? I didn't want to be restricted to travel. Always thinking ahead. You all can do whatever you want. I'm always thinking ahead. And all I know is I've gone a long time without a vacation. So all I know, and I don't want when I start planning my vacation, they tell me you can't leave the country. They tell me you can't get on this plane. They tell me you can't get on this ship. I don't want that. I'm always a few steps ahead, church. 
That's how my brain works. I can't help it. It's something God gave me that I can't think of just the now. I'm thinking about the now, the later, and the real later, and eternity. That's just how my brain works. I'm sorry. I can't help it. So I got my shot the other day. I walked in. The lady greeted me at the door. And I'm just like, hello, how are you? And I'm just in talking to her. Oh, did you fill out the form? I said, what form? Tell me about the form. And we just talk, talk, talk. I talked to everybody. I went to the nurse that gave me the shot, sat down in the chair, her and I talking. When I sat in the, sh- the chair, I did not know what, sh- what, what, what um, um, vaccine they were going to give me. So I sat down. She said, well, we have the Johnson Johnson. I just, a big old smile on my face. Because Cheryl, I said, that's the one I want. I just wanted Johnson Johnson. Because first of all, again, I told you, I wasn't getting it because I'm worried about health stuff. I'm getting it because of other reasons, so just give me one shot. So I sat down, got my one shot. Then I'm walking around. They said, well, you know, you got to sit down for a little while and 15 minutes, and then afterwards, if no issue, then you can leave. Walked around, started making, you know, talking to people, talking to people, talking to people. So I sat down. No, no, I didn't sit down yet. So eventually I said to someone, I said, hey, you think you can get my wife in here? If, if you let me know, because I think she's supposed to be on the list with me. If you just let me know, I'll call her. Somebody said, wait one minute right here. They got on their phone, called people up and come back. Can she come right now? Oh, she can come right now. <laughs> come on down. She got in the car. Boom. Got her shot. She wanted me to wait for her outside. I waited for her. She came out. You know what she said? What in the world did you do in that place? I said, what are you talking about? Everybody knew who you were. I said, that was my point. Some of them saying we still smell them. I said, that was my point. My point is wherever I go, I want to be a witness for Christ. And it starts with relationships. That's where it starts. It starts with interacting with people and talking and smiling and encouraging. I was talking to the lady who arranged the whole thing. I said, Veronica, I just appreciate you, uh, you know, reaching out to me way back when. You have done a stellar job. And, you know, we just need one another. And we are the church. Yes, we are the church. But we, we just need one another. We have things that we can help you with. And you have things you can help us with. I'm so glad God brought us together. Guess what? Down in the office, they know Christ in the church. So if anything ever pop off and they need to go to church. They know the pastor of Christ in the church. It's always about that to me. Just call me Lazarus. When I show up, all of you need to be Lazarus. When you show up, people need to look at you and say, wow, there's just something about you. Wow, I just love your conversation. Wow, what is it about you? All right. The response of the just healed man is instructive. 
He did not attempt to defend the moral posture of Jesus, whom he had only just met. He did not attempt to explain the purpose of the Sabbath day, either from the Old Testament or from Jesus' own teaching. He merely gave the account of what happened to him. He answered and said, whether it be a sinner, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. That's what we're supposed to be saying. But here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that maybe we are not seeing right now. Maybe a lot of us are still blind. If we're going to let resurrection power of Jesus Christ fully flow through us, 